Welcome back to episode 139 of the Draft FC podcast. Welcome back to the Draft FC podcast, the podcast and website dedicated to all things official Draft FPL. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for another Game Week preview, this week looking ahead to Game Week 3. Haven't had a huge amount of time to prepare this week's episode, so I'm not going to faff around and get straight into it. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday the 23rd of August, so any team news, injury developments or press conference info are up to date as of then and of course subject to change. Some of the players I'll be discussing in this episode include Pedro Porro, John McGinn and Malo Gusto. So let's get into it. So let's kick things off with Waiver Watch. The main players that you were bringing in last week were Emerson Royal. A bit disappointing for those of you that brought him in. Tonali, Ariola, Rico Lewis and Dizazi for Chelsea. The players leaving, a lot of easy ones here. Kepa, Timber, Mings, Kane, Fabianski. Interestingly, the sixth most dropped player, um, ownership went down 25% in 10 team leagues, was Pedro Porro, who I will be talking about very shortly. Looking ahead at the fixtures this week, Chelsea at home to Luton and City away to Sheffield United are the standout ties. Arsenal at home to Fulham, United at home to Forest and Brighton at home to West Ham also look fairly mismatched on paper. Uh, And the other games I'm looking forward to watching would be Bournemouth Spurs, Burnley Villa and uh, Newcastle Liverpool at the end of the weekend. In terms of the main picks, I'm going to start with the Spurs defence and uh, kick things off with Pedro Porro. Uh, High on draft boards pre-season, including my own, with many managers now having lost faith ahead of game week two. Um, But now what are you going to do? My overall opinion that Royal fits the system better hasn't changed yet based on the performance versus Man United. But the way Porro could dominate against weaker opponents has a lot of potential. You'd expect Spurs to be able to camp in the opposing half even more so uh, than they did against United versus the likes of Bournemouth, Burnley and Sheffield United, who they've got in the next three games. So Porro sitting in that deeper creative spot on the right, just outside the penalty area, can allow him to cross, overlap or shoot, depending on the situation. If you're in one of the leagues where Porro got dropped, he's a really interesting one to grab and ride through the next few weeks. Um, could be one or two big hauls in there. If you can't get Porro, but you're still looking for a piece of Spurs defence, or maybe you just want a bit more nailed-on options, um, Romero and Udogi are the most owned Spurs defenders currently um, and probably the most nailed. Very, very similar ownership, around 54% in 10-team leagues, means that they are still available in plenty of other leagues. And then Van de Ven, I'll mention here as well, but could have been in the Hidden Gems section. Ownership low, mainly because he's new, and many won't have really known about him before last weekend. He came away with seven points, including one bonus. Now, I think if Van der Ven becomes a nailed-on option with Romero, he could end up outscoring Romero, just mainly because I think he'll be a bit of a bonus points magnet. He was relatively reserved against United, but in games where Spurs can exert more dominance, don't be surprised to see him making some more penetrating passes and also some marauding runs up the pitch. So keep an eye out for that over the next week or two. Another defensive option uh, this week would be someone like Tarkovsky for Everton. He's free in around 40% of 10-team draft leagues. An excellent option for the next couple of weeks as they face Wolves at home, then Sheffield United away. He's always a threat from set pieces, um, providing Everton can actually get up the pitch. Um, If Everton struggle versus Wolves, then I would be probably advocating for a mass exodus of Everton players as they'll be in for a very rough season. 
One point you may have seen in our predicted lineups is that following that display at Villa, I'm predicting Keane to be dropped in favour of Branthwaite, um, a move I expected a couple of weeks ago, which I think will better Everton's defence to some degree. How much, though, remains to be seen. Into midfield, and I'm going to mention a couple of Aston Villa players. Now, I knew Villa were better than the performance against uh, Newcastle. They just came against the Geordies in a good moment, as Pep would say. And if you look at the Draft FC waiver planner and head to our waiver suggestions tab, I bet many of you will have McGinn high up on that list of suggested moves. He's projected to score just over 20 points over the next five weeks, which is very handy return from a waiver pickup um, and one you can drop as soon as you're bored. He was very impressive in that demolition of Everton. Ownership just 9.5% in 10-team league, so another one that could have been included in the Hidden Gems section, but I've bumped him up to the big leagues. And then the other one, an obvious one to point out here, is Douglas Luiz. Um, stepped up to take the penalty at the weekend, even with Ollie Watkins on the pitch. If you look at Luiz's senior career to date, that is the first penalty he's taken, so it sits him nicely on a 100% record so far. It does make Louise a constant FBL threat and if Villa continue to dominate teams like that, it won't be the last spot kick they're awarded this season. Last season they had four penalties. Ings scored the first two before he moved in January. Then Watkins had a couple, scored the first one very confidently um, and then missed one in May against Liverpool. Watkins was the one who got clattered to win the pen so I wonder if that affected who took it and I wouldn't be massively surprised if we see Watkins take uh, the next one. Next player is Enzo Fernandez for Chelsea. Their nice fixture run really kicks off now with a home game against Luton on Friday night. If you look at our predicted lineups, I strongly believe they'll revert to a back four for this game. I really don't see why they would need to play five at the back in what should be the most comfortable game of the season, especially given the signings they've just made this week. I would expect Enzo to play uh, as more of an out-and-out -out eight in a 4-3-3 with Caicedo as the sitting six. Possibly the penalty taker, though that one at the weekend was far from convincing. Available in less than half the league, which is quite high ownership actually. Sounds like he was possibly overdrafted on draft day, but then I probably wouldn't be saying that if he had tucked the penalty away and grabbed a couple of bonus points. If you're looking elsewhere in the Chelsea midfield, then the other option I think is Gallagher. And um, With Chuck Wilmaker's injury, I think he'd be a shoe in there at number eight and played very well in the last game. Now, due to Mason Mount's injury, I think that means that Christian Eriksen will likely come and start for United in their game at home to Forest this weekend. Um, I think Forest at home is still a good fixture to target for most teams. And with Eriksen on the pitch, he will more than likely be on all of the uh, sort of wide free kicks, corners, maybe even the attacking ones too. So always possible to get some FPL returns from Eriksen. Maybe not one to consider long term, but certainly not a bad pickup. And then the only striker I'm going to mention is um, Amadouni for Burnley. He looked very lively in game week one. Everyone's now forgotten about Burnley players following their week off. There are still so many draft teams out there with a the front three barely fit enough to play in soccer aid. So the likes of Amadouni really should be getting picked up more. He's currently free in just over three quarters of 10 team leagues, which is far, far too much. And I expect that to gradually creep down um, over the next few weeks because the starting striker is gold dust at the moment. Home to Villa, then home to Spurs, and then away to Forest. Three not too bad fixtures at all. You should expect them to create chances against Spurs and Forest. Um, and like I said, I think the, the matchup against Villa this week shouldn't be too bad for them either. And then just before we get into the hidden gem section, a player who's kind of straddling the line based on 
a lot of last minute action before the waivers last weekend. And that's Malo Gusto, who very much um, was a hidden gem pick. Um, saw his ownership go from around 2% in game week one all the way up to 45% just ahead of the deadline last weekend um, when the news broke out that James would be injured for a few weeks. He played all right against West Ham, nothing spectacular, but with the fixtures, he's probably one of the easiest ways into a regular Chelsea starter at the moment and a no-brainer if you've got a decent priority waiver pick this week. Now, I doubt he'll be added in time for the waivers, but uh, I can mention him now anyway while his move to City looks to be imminent, and that's the young Belgian winger Jeremy Doku from Rennes. 29 appearances last season, 6 goals and 2 assists. Not a spectacular output, but raw talent in abundance and the most prolific dribbler across the big European leagues. Signed to fill the hole left by Mares, but nothing like the Algerian winger before him. Plays right-footed off the right side, which has been sacrilege for the last 10 years or so. Just over half non-penalty expected goals and assists per 90 last year. Very much a rough diamond waiting for some pet polish. Not one I'll be rushing to bring in myself because he's still got to compete with a whole host of household names, but there are enough games to go around when you get to every cup final. A watch and wait for me. And finally, if you want to target Everton, um, which wouldn't be a very controversial move, He-Chan Huang is uh, a pick for me. I think could get a game this week and would be my preferred punt out of their attackers. He always seems to be able to pop up with a goal when he's given a chance. Aside from him, Sarabia is another one you could grab. Um, due to the forward crisis, Cunha has reasonably high ownership, so they're probably the main two to look at. And then for the most hidden gem pick this week, I am going for Pape Matasar. His ownership in 16 team leagues, just under 2%. What a game versus Man United. I thought Basuma was man of the match, but 20-year-old Senegalese Saar wasn't far behind. He seems to suit this role and this system perfectly and he feels like a new signing despite being around the squad for a while. He's still obviously very young and the way he has crept into the team may not be a bad thing. He's got that familiarity with his teammates but as I say he's got that impetus of feeling like a new signing. Given the next three fixtures, um, Bournemouth, Burnley and Sheffield United, also the fact it appears Madison could be out for a game or two, he's too good an option to turn down in most leagues and a very fun new addition to your draft team. Now, I put a call out on the last episode for you guys to send me some trades to talk through. So process trades, not ones that you're just negotiating. A um, couple got sent through. I have to say, maybe not the most interesting ones to analyse for obvious reasons. I got one sent from Ross. Now, it has to be said, Ross wasn't involved in this trade. Um, on one side, you had Paqueta and uh, Rodriguez. And on the other side, Bailey and Jackson. So um, whoever got Bailey and Jackson there committed daylight robbery, well played. And then got sent another one from Connor. Again, I don't believe Connor was directly involved in this trade. It was just in his league. Um, Mings, obviously injured. So basically nobody. Mings and Sabozlai for Udogi and Kai Havertz. So essentially Sabozlai for Havertz and Udogi. Which again, when I was looking at that on paper, and I said it in the preseason pods, I am not hugely sold on Sabozlai um, this season. I know he had a pretty good game on the last weekend. But if you're offering me him versus having Kai Havertz and Doggy, I'd certainly take the pair. So that's it for this episode. A reminder that the waivers will process at 6.30 in the evening on Thursday, ahead of the Friday night football match between Chelsea and Luton. Now, the whole Draft FC team um, will be on tour this week in Italy. Um, so it will make responding to messages uh, and things like that quite difficult. 
Um, I am committed to doing a podcast. It will be short and sweet. I won't have my microphone, so we'll see how that pans out. So that'll be from about Saturday into the middle of next week. So just bear with us if there are any issues or any queries. It might just take a little longer for us to get back to you. So give the podcast a follow on whichever platform you're listening on so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Give us a follow on Twitter at draft underscore FC. And of course, if you haven't already, head to draftfc.co.uk to sign up where we've pretty much got all of the features that we wanted to get out now um, fully up and ready. The waiver planner is now in full force. There's also that waiver suggestions tab, which is working. Um, As I mentioned at the beginning, we're still going to be tweaking all of these as we go along and adding improvements every week. But if you click on that, um, you'll be able to have a look at various moves that the engine is suggesting. If you want to look at one week, three weeks and five weeks ahead based on our expected points model. I mentioned already, but the optimal lineups is also up and running. And for head to heads, that will show you your projected score versus your head to head opponents projected score. So if you want to make any particular moves to try and um, to try and tip the balance in your favor, then you'll be able to see who the obvious targets are. And that's obviously what the waiver suggestion tab is for. Also, now that there's a couple of weeks, you'll see that some of the graphs are starting to come alive in the league analytics tab. So have a look on there if you haven't already. Um, Live game week, obviously up and running during the game weeks and then the global rank feature. Um, which we brought in last year. For those that haven't looked at that yet, basically what that does is it ranks your draft league versus every other equivalent size draft league in the world to see where you rank um, with everybody else. So obviously within your draft league, it's quite an insular, it's quite a small environment in which to say who's good and who's bad. Um, But how do you rank against another draft league? Well, this is our attempt at doing so um, and you'll be be able to see um, whether or not your draft league is very competitive or not. Everybody's always quite keen to know how the Draft FC League sits in the global ranks. And I have to say, after two game weeks, um, we are currently the second ranked uh, 11 team league. So we've got a tiny amount of ground to uh, to um, make up. We are nine points behind as a collective behind the Meat Rips Cup. So, um, yeah, we'll be we'll be coming for you. That's it for this episode. Um, as I said, we will be quiet on the DMs for the next week or so, and I'm not really sure what the next podcast is going to look or sound like. But until next time, stay shook. Sure.